When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like... Whoa. And... Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 at the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He's Paul Dottino. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes as we are breaking down all that is happening with the New York football Giants in multiple ways. You can interact with us here on the program. You give us a ring at 201-939-4513. Can't get to the phones. Not a problem. Hashtag Giants chat on Twitter. And as a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So today we are continuing our opponent preview series and we are moving through the calendar and up next is week number four as the Giants will host the Chicago Bears at MetLife Stadium at 1 p.m. Eastern on October 2nd. This has become almost like a division rivalry over the last few years. There's only the fifth straight season that these teams are meeting between one another, Paul. And to get more into the Bears, to break them down, we are now joined by a man that roams the sidelines to the Bears radio network, and that is none other than Mark Grody. Mark, you got Lance Meadow, Paul Dottino here on Giants.com, Big Blue Kickoff Live. Greatly appreciate the time today. Hope all is well. How's everything on your end? Everything's good, Lance and Paul. Thanks for having me on, gents. And I am already counting it down, staring down. Uh, July 26th is when the Bears report to training camp, so I'm pumped up. There you go. Let the countdown begin. We're in the same boat, and there's also a lot of similarities, Mark, between both of these teams because just like the Giants, the Bears also are bringing in a new head coach and a new scheme. So I want to start there, and not so much with Matt Eberflus, who has a defensive background, but Luke Getze I want to focus on. The new offensive coordinator, he comes over from the Packers. He was their QB coach, their passing game coordinator. What is your best glimpse of what you think this offense is going to look like? Is it going to resemble what Matt LaFleur and company ran in Green Bay? Is he going to put a little bit more of a spin on for Justin Fields? How do you see things playing out? I do think that he's going to attempt to use a lot of the elements that he used in Green Bay. We all know what he had to deal with there and the instrument that he had in Aaron Rodgers. So things are a lot easier to implement in Green Bay, when you have a superstar, you can kind of do whatever you want and make it work. So I do think there'll be some of those those same elements, outside zone run and downfield passing. But 
to the comment that you made and the point that you made referring to Justin Field, yes, so much of what Luke Getze is going to do will be catered towards the Bears' second-year quarterback, the former first-round quarterback. The, the expectations for Justin Fields are still sky-high. And, you know, that's what they've talked about. They've talked about trying to maximize Luke, or excuse me, to maximizing Justin Fields and making him comfortable doing what he does best. And that's the part I'm most looking forward to, you know, in some of the, the off-season stuff that I've been, I've been to every single one of them. It's hard to get a real feel so far for what they exactly want to do with Justin Fields. But I think a lot of us around here know his strengths, and that is the ability to run, to roll out, and to throw the ball deep, which he is particularly adept at as well. Well, why don't we just start with Justin Fields there, Mark, because as I look at it with Trevor Simeon and Nathan Peterman behind him, there's no threat there looking over his shoulder. I think Justin Fields is probably going to have a very, very long leash this season, no matter how much of a rocky start he may or may not get off to. Sell me on Justin Fields as we sit here today. Based on what you saw last year, tell me why he is the guy for the Bears and he won't have a rocky road. Well, I'm, I'll pick up on the the point from you know the very beginning of the question, and that is that this is this is his year, Justin Fields, because last year was wild because they their plan was under the previous head coach Matt Nagy was to have Andy Dalton be the starting quarterback no matter what and I think if Matt Nagy had had his way or in his mind he was going to have Andy Dalton start all 17 games last year or maybe maybe the last couple of games Justin Fields gets in obviously things changed and their plan was a little bit different from that but here's the difference this year it is Justin Fields's football this year right from the beginning of training camp there is no way that uh, trevor simeon is going to push you know i assume trevor simeon will be the number two quarterback that or or peterman for that matter neither of these guys is going to push him so it is his football when training camp starts that wasn't the case last year he was running with the second and third teams in training camp and we were all kind of shaking our heads trying to figure out what was going on and why they're not just giving him the ball to do what he wants to do. So that's one way to sell people on Justin Fields, that he will get every single rep. He's gotten every single rep in the offseason program, at least with the first stringers. So that's a super important part to it. The other part, too, in trying to sell people on Justin Fields is that all the raw materials are still there. Everything that he did at Ohio State still exists and maybe even to a higher and better degree because he's probably gotten stronger and he is learning the NFL game. There's one other part to this too, and I, I don't like to play the denigrate the previous staff card. I don't want to play that too much, but there are some cases where it's impossible not to because last year the first game that Justin Fields played was or started was week three at Cleveland, and he was sacked nine times. The Bears coaching staff last year did not prepare him well for that game. And I think that three weeks into the season, his whole mindset was informed by that game where the coaching staff did not have him prepared. So there is a new lease 
for him on life. I think from just having an off season and from having a new regime. And and then there there were moments last year, whether in the preseason or during the season, where we saw the specials, some spectacular runs, a couple of, of throws that Andy Dalton nor Nick Foles would not have been able to make. So there are glimpses of the special. Now he's got to put it together on a consistent basis and show the rest of us. Yeah, and one game that comes to mind, Mark, is the game in primetime against the Steelers last season. I thought that was a little bit of his coming out party. We certainly saw flashes, but I want to piggyback off of your point about the preparation and the communication with the offensive line because we even saw him take some significant hits in the preseason as well. And that's understandable. That's part of the growing pains of a young quarterback. But very similar to the Giants, it's fair to say the Bears' offensive line over the last few years has been a bit of a question mark. One underrated addition, though, that I'm very interested your perspective on is Lucas Patrick at center because he's got familiarity with Luke Getze. He was in Green Bay, and we know that is such an important position given he is the guy that helps set the tone with the quarterback. I'm not saying he's going to fix everything, but how much do you think that was maybe an underrated move given the importance of center? Oh, yeah, and it was one that the new general manager, Ryan Poles, targeted. There hasn't been, what's been going on with the Bears, essentially they are doing a lot more tearing down of this team than they are making actual additions, and I don't know if it's fair to call Luke Getze, excuse me, uh, Lucas Patrick, a, a dynamic player, but he's sure. definitely the guy. Like They targeted him. They wanted him. They wanted that leadership. They wanted that nasty, and that's one very definite thing that they wanted, and he has been, to your point, during these off-season workouts, the offensive line has been a work in progress because they've had all sorts of different manifestations, but the one thing that has been constant and that we saw every single day was the guy you mentioned Lucas Patrick has been the Bears center every day the the rest of the offensive line except for one of the guard spots that Cody Whitehair has been playing have been moving parts and is a work in progress and essentially there are tryouts going on so Lucas Patrick not only becomes important because we know barring injury that he will be the starting center He is also the guy who is going to probably help a lot of these young guys start to expand their games along the offensive line. So it's a great point because he's one of the, the most important signings that they have made so far this year. Well, if we're going to talk about the offensive line, then we've got to talk about David Montgomery in the backfield. Now, I know he had that one 1,000-yard season. He's a steady back, not necessarily a big playback, but a steady back. He enters his contract year this this season, Mark. What are you expecting out of him? Can he step up his game to another level, or is what you see what you get with this guy? I think he can get a little bit better. Like I think every single season, he he has shown that he has gotten better. That he is like not like making massive jumps, but he has gotten better. And I do think that he is a guy who could. Uh, very well be in in the top 10 in total yards. I think one of the things that will continue to expand in his game is in the passing game. His running style is one of those of, you know, he's a don't, doesn't go down guy. Like you gotta, he's not going to go down on first contact and he's going to keep plowing. He is not explosive necessarily. He's worked on his speed. He's not slow, 
but he's not one of these guys who is going to, you know, bust out for 80-yard runs on a constant basis or anything like that. But he's he's definitely an important part. I think it does become interesting to see how they will value him in the future. Do they look at him as a potential special running back? I'm not sure about that. I mean, we all know how running backs are treated in the NFL these days. And oftentimes they are as expendable as anybody. And once their time is up on their rookie contract, it's, it's out the door and onto the new, unless they have some of that special, um, which, you know, as we all know, there, you know, there's a handful of those quarterbacks throughout the NFL that, that exist for sure. So, I mean, he's a big part of their offense because right now there are not a lot of dynamic playmakers and, you know, David Montgomery is one of the most veteran and one of the most competent players on their team. And if they really want to complement Justin Fields this year without a whole lot of wide receiver weapons, David Montgomery is going to play a huge part. We're talking with Mark Grody, Bears sideline reporter for the Bears Radio Network. And Mark, you stole my thunder. That's a perfect segue to the wide receiver core because I think it's fair to say that is by far the biggest question mark entering this season on offense in addition to the development of Justin Fields. But let's face it, Mark, those two things go hand in hand. Allen Robinson's not there anymore. He goes to the Rams. Darnell Mooney, I thought, had a solid season. Probably doesn't get enough attention because the Bears' offense struggled. But they did add a few other guys. They added Equinemius St. Brown from Green Bay. Byron Pringle from Kansas City. Dante Pettis, who was here with the Giants. Clearly, these guys don't have track records that are fear in the eyes of opposing defensive coordinators. But who perhaps needs to emerge or could emerge as the consistent number two, and maybe similar to Green Bay, which had Devontae Adams, and outside of Devontae Adams, they had some nice guys, but they didn't, in fairness, Mark, have pro bowlers or consistent all pros that you knew exactly what you were going to get out of them every game. Yeah, one of those guys was, was Economia St. Brown. Exactly. That you mentioned, that yes. Now on the Bears, right. And he he uh, barely got off the bench at times, it felt like, with Aaron Rodgers. So, but I would say the guy, and you mentioned Byron Pringle. I think that Byron Pringle is a guy that is probably going to get the first shot to be the wide receiver opposite of Darnell Mooney. And, and Mooney was good last year. He had a thousand yard season. He's right on that, that edge, Mooney, of being a, he could become a number one receiver someday, but he's not quite there yet, even though. He had the thousand yard number, but he's solid and he is a legit starter. Now it's a matter of can Byron Pringle, now that he is, it sounds strange, now that he is away from Kansas City and away from Patrick Mahomes, can he kind of become his own man and sprout? Because we know that he had, that Patrick Mahomes had many different weapons with which to work and Pringle had a, had a nice year. You know, he had about 500 yards receiving. Can Pringle, now that he has, you know, his own freedom and his own quarterback and there are limited weapons on the Bears, can he go to that next level? Is there a next level with Byron Pringle? We're going to find out. Same thing with Equinemia St. Brown. You know, was there just a chemistry issue last year or, or in his years, period, plural, with Aaron Rodgers? And can there be some sort of chemistry that builds with Justin Fields? Because, like, Equinemia St. Brown, he's one of these guys who's got all of the physical tools for whatever reason, essentially, it did not work out there. The Bears have some other other guys, too. Uh, Daz Newsome was a, a draft pick for the Bears last year, a sixth-rounder out of North Carolina that they started using at the end of last year, but that was with the previous regime. There's a kid, uh, Chris Finke, that played at Notre Dame. 
that is on the roster that has impressed them so far in the offseason. Um, a free agent pickup that's been around for a couple of years now has had tryouts named Isaiah Coulter. But I think from the names that I'm mentioning right now to your listeners, they're probably all like, who are these guys? <laughs> that's kind of the point. That's kind of the point right now, that there there is it's sort of quantity over quality right now. And maybe there will be somebody to emerge and I think that it, that Byron Pringle is going to get the first chance to, but who knows? Maybe there's a wild card and all that. But as you can see, that that is a big issue right now. Well, Mark, I think there is one guy though in the passing game that people are familiar with. That's tight end Cole Komet, because he caught 60 balls last year, and it was only his second season coming out of Notre Dame. And I would like to believe that Fields will lean on him a lot this year. That's the hope. You know, the one thing there's heavy duty expectations. For Cole Komet, and he has the added pressure of having gone to Notre Dame, and there are tons and tons and tons of Notre Dame fans in Chicago. He also went to high school in a Chicago suburb, so there is definitely like that little added local pressure where he, he gets the benefit of the doubt, and but but everybody wants him to to be really good, and he is a second round pick. Second round picks are expected to. Uh, not only start in the NFL, but thrives. His first two years have been underwhelming, although he had some decent numbers last year. One of the things that I think held Cole Komet back was the fact that, that the same year that he was drafted, as you guys mentioned, in 2020 in the second round, was that was also the same year that they signed Jimmy Graham. You know, And Jimmy Graham was fine, but obviously at the end of his career, and but still... He, he hogged up a lot of the snaps that Cole Komet would have gotten. Komet came into his own and was given more freedom last year, but it always felt like Komet was held back. And I don't know if that was a product of Cole Komet um, not not knowing everything he needed to know or if it was the coaching staff not quite trusting him or, or preferring to go with the, the, the veteran Jimmy Graham. But Graham is not around now. It's completely Cole Komet's. Um, tight ends room this year. He is absolutely the guy. He it's sort of like you were mentioning with the backups at quarterback um, for Justin Fields. It's Cole Komet, and there's some nice complimentary pieces. But it looks like even with the new regime, they are going to let Cole Komet free. And of course, he is a tight end like that who could work the middle. Is a or should be a quarterback best friend. He's also able to you know go downfield. He had some problems with drops last year. So there's certainly some things that he can tighten up. But, again, I'll say it just like I said about Fields. He's definitely got all the tools, and he's got the speed. He's got the size. He's got the desire. He's got all that. He's got these super smart kid. Now it's just a matter of putting it together, and this is a huge year for him. Mark, I want to flip the script to the defensive side of the ball. Clearly a lot of changes on that side, too, because now they have a new scheme. Matt Eberflus, the new head coach, has a great track record. I actually thought he did a really nice job with that Indianapolis Colts unit. However, in fairness, Mark, it helps when you have Darius Leonard and DeForest Buckner and a lot of playmakers <laughs> in the secondary. <laughs> Doesn't necessarily have all of that weaponry. There are some nice pieces, don't get me wrong. But here's the thing that jumped out to me about Eberflus's defenses in Indy. They were very opportunistic. And you know a thing about being opportunistic because I remember the Bears in 2018 when they had Fangio. I mean, they had unbelievable takeaway numbers. And they played the Giants that year. And the Giants beat them in that overtime thriller. So it's not that some of these guys like Eddie Jackson and company can't provide those opportunistic plays. But Chicago was not very good, Mark, in that department last season. They had one of the worst turnover differentials 
clearly the offense contributed. My question is, what can Eberflus do if he has lesser talent than Indy? How much can he get this team moving back in the direction of where they were a few years ago when they were excellent in taking away the football? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that with some of the studs they had in Indianapolis because not only did the Bears not have that caliber of guy. I mean, that, yeah, Roquan Smith is, is probably pretty close at linebacker, but they they come in here, Eberflus and Ryan Poles, the new general manager, and they eliminate some of their stars, like sure. Khalil Mack, and they, they had no interest in it seemingly – in re-signing Akeem Hicks and Danny Trevathan was they didn't even not even in consideration it seemed like so they, it, it feels like they were content to rebuild and get people that would fit into their system and buy in it is a it's a four three defense that they're running and the Bears had been for the last for the previous three years at least running a three four defense so they are finding guys that fit the scheme. It is, I will say this, from watching the practices, the defense, it is a very spirited style of play. It is a very fast style of play. It is a swarming to the ball. As you said, you're trying to get turnovers. They are more into the system right now than they are into the players. They believe that this system can make stars and and be good by doing what they do and there's a lot that is demanded in in practice like i i have i don't think i've ever seen like this fast of a practice and the matt Nagy practices the previous regime were not slow i mean i don't i don't again it's not denigrating the previous staff to to pump up the the current regime the, the, there is a a demand that is made so you can kind of see that without those stars on defense, except for, for Roquan Smith, that it is, it is a concept that they're trying to get these guys to buy into. And you can see it. It is visible. It is clear. And they, they've also made it clear that if you don't buy into their system, and they've got all sorts of different acronyms they're using out there and motivational tools, if you don't buy into it, you're not going to practice and you're not going to play. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Well, I need to talk about the master of that defense, uh, Robert Quinn. We all know he turned back the clock last year, a guy who's been in this league for over a decade, and yet he played like he was only two or three years out of school. What in the world got into him last season, and is there any way he can come close to repeating that in 2022? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, if you look through Robert Quinn's career, he's definitely had some, some big years and ones that – you know, there was the proverbial letdown at times. So I, I don't know that you can expect that same amount of production from him this year. But I don't see any reason why he's, he would take a, a step back. Like, he hasn't lost a step. I mean, some of the the athleticism that we saw from him last year and that ability to, to lean down like a speed skater, making a turn and cut corners the way he did – I mean, it was, we, we just saw the full plate. The reason he was good is because he was every, he looked 100% healthy. He had all of his ability to, you know, make the different moves on the edge. 
and there was just a confidence that didn't exist in his first year because his first year with the Bears was bad, and everybody thought he was a bust. That's the irony. And then last year he has, you know, one of the best years that an outside linebacker slash defensive end has ever had. Now the, the trick with Robert Quinn is, guys, he did not show up to a lot of the offseason program. He was not there for the recent minicamp, and we do not know what is going on. I mean, there have been rumors that he is, you know, requesting a trade. It's also possible that the Bears are, A, either trying to accommodate that or wanting to trade him um, themselves. And yeah, obviously, having done what they did with, with, um, with Khalil Mack, that would not be surprising. So it's going to be really interesting to see if he shows up, if he is at training camp, on July 26th to be a part of this team. My gut is that he will be a part of this team, but if the Bears are bad and they are doing business at the trade deadline in 2022, look for Robert Quinn to be moved. Well, Mark, I want to follow up on that hypothetical. Let's go with the premise that maybe he doesn't show up, or to your point, they're not very good, and they look to ship him out of town at the trade deadline to a contender who can maybe appease to him from a contractual standpoint. Who... Do you look at that could very well step in or emerge from the defensive front this season that could get some extra snaps or is just going to have to make some type of an indent, especially if Quinn is not as reliable and productive as he was a year ago? Yeah, there, there's a couple guys that they are going to be depending on to, to pick up the slack for Mac and possibly even for Robert Quinn. One of those guys is uh, Travis Gibson, who was a fifth rounder in in 2020. He had something of a, a breakout year relative to what he had done in his rookie year and his second year, where he, he actually came out and had a bunch of sack. I don't remember the exact total. I think it was six or seven, something like that. So a lot of us are wondering, will Travis Gibson take it to – the next step and get out there and, and get to the quarterback. Some of the other guys that they're hoping to be impact players on the defense, they, they brought in uh, Kadeem Muhammad from you know the Colts, and so they're hoping that he may be you know, a defensive end. He may be a guy that can come in and do some things. Their three technique that they also brought in is, is Justin Jones, so they're hoping for big things from him. Another guy is linebacker Nick Morrow, who they're hoping to, to team up with Roquan Smith and dial up some big things for him as well. So it, there's, a, there's a bunch of guys. Unfortunately, there's nobody that really pops off the page. The Bears do have, and this is, this is kind of going deep probably at this point for people who are not into the everyday minutia of the Bears, but there is an edge rusher, a rookie edge rusher from the Bears, a fifth-rounder named Dominique Robinson, who they drafted out of Miami of Ohio, who was a converted wide receiver in college and turned to defensive end. He may be one of the best athletes on the team, and, and while they're not pumping him up too much because he is raw at this point, there is you can tell there's a lot of hope, like if we if, – you know, that, that he may be one of those guys that they steal in the draft. So just keep a, just keep an eye on that name. Dominique Robinson is a guy who might at some point break out with the Bears and, and surprise some people around the NFL. Mark, real quickly, we love the minutia on this program, so we have no problem with you delving into that. <laughs> good, good. And I like mine with oregano on it. 
by, by the way, <laughs> special teams-wise, before I, I let you go, my final question. I know they drafted Trenton Gill as a punter, and you know, obviously a lot of teams don't necessarily invest draft picks in a punter, but they must feel good about Cairo Santos, who's had two solid seasons now. And for years and years, the Bears had so many difficulties after they, they had, uh, uh, you know, had a bunch of uh, carousels going with their kicking game. It looks as though that's at least stable. Yeah, it does. The the, the Cody Parkey double doink <laughs> in Philadelphia in 2018 is infamous around here. It goes down. I mean, I'm sure you guys have many things in New York sports lore that everybody remembers and can point to, whether good or bad. One of the bad in Chicago that will always exist is the Cody Parkey double doink in a playoff game. Well, Mark, does it, does it tick the city off that Robbie Gold continues to kick people's butts out there in San Francisco? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, for, the first, for the first couple of years, it was really harsh. Now people have just kind of accepted and been like, all right, we got to move on. So, yeah. <laughs> Every time Robbie Gold hit a game-winning field, which he did against the Bears for crying out loud, yeah. oh, yeah, that pissed, that pissed a lot of people off. You know, the, the one thing I will say about the Robbie Gold thing is that when they did cut him from the Bears, he was struggling. You know, that's not necessarily a reason to say, oh, yeah, you, you got to go and we don't want you around and all that kind of stuff. And it was a new regime. It was, you know, Ryan Pace and John Fox, and, you know, they, maybe they wanted their own guys, and I know that, Robbie Gold was known as a little bit, you know, they called him the mayor of, of, the, of the clubhouse, of the locker room. So, you know, kickers usually aren't like that. So I think there were some things maybe that turned the Bears off about him. But, yeah, in retrospect, that was a horrible move by the Bears. And, and Robbie Gold should still be on the Bears. Robbie Gold still lives in the Chicagoland area, still does a lot here. He's, all, he's singing the stretch out at Wrigley Field. You know, so he's still sort of a big part of the culture of Chicago, which drives people crazy. But but the hilarious thing was, I don't know if you guys remember this or not, but after the 2018 year where where the kickers, the revolving door, and Cody Parkey screwing up in the end, they literally had 10 kickers in the training camp. Mm -hmm. Oh, we remember. (laughs) It was ridiculous. It was one of the weirdest sports things I've ever covered. Like, we're breathlessly reporting on kickers and oh this guy made a 17 yard this guy made a 50 yard like guys i've never even heard of and and to have cairo santos now calm things down is just huge and everybody can take a deep breath and maybe appreciate the position a little bit more we at least in chicago we have learned that that is not a position to be messed with that one should value the, the field goal kicker a little bit more. So, yeah, absolutely, the Cairo Santos thing is great. And then, yeah, I thought it was very interesting that they did draft Trenton Gill in the seventh round out of NC State, you know. And so, I, like, I, like I was saying, watching him at one of the offseason workouts, he, he looked great, looks like he's got a booming foot. He better, you know, if you draft a kicker, you better. And they also <laughs> let, let, let Pat O'Donnell, who had been kicking here forever, go to the, the dreaded Green Bay Packers, Bears Packers, obviously, you know, massive rivalry, and Pat O'Donnell was very good for a long time here, but apparently he priced himself out and they and in this new regime and a rebuild. They are certainly not valuing expensive punters at this point. So we'll see how young Trenton Gill does. 
Mark, real quick, speaking of 2019, if memory serves me correctly, didn't a local establishment run a kicking contest or something for the fans? And they were all slipping and sliding <laughs> yeah, outside, yeah. right? Yeah, it was at, uh, at Goose Island. And they were letting <laughs> fans, you know, for charity come in and you could, you could uh, make a donation and kick a football. And, and the, the one guy that showed up, and I don't think, I think it was unannounced, was one Theo Epstein. Uh, the, the former oh, president, oh, oh, oh. and yeah, <laughs> the, the was was in the house kicking out there. So you know, and obviously made probably made a a really nice donation as well. So oh yeah, it was just you know I look back on the whole thing and really it was all it was very embarrassing for all of us because we we had to cover the story. The story was real, and we all made a joke out of it. And it's not a position you want to have to spend more than five minutes discussing, but we had to. Sure. We had no choice, and it's good to have things smoothed over in that regard. Well, we can somewhat relate to a certain degree, Mark, because Graham Gano was certainly, you can make a case, the MVP of last year's team, and that speaks volumes about where the Giants were from an offensive <laughs> standpoint. And that is something that Bears fans and you who cover the team can certainly relate to because both teams had their ups and downs on the offensive end. He is Mark Grody, sideline reporter for the Bears Radio Network. Mark, greatly appreciate the time of the inside, and we look forward to seeing you in week four. Thanks, Mark. Yeah. Yep, October 2. Take care, guys. Thanks for having me on. You got it. Our pleasure. Mark Grody with some great stuff here on Giants.com as we continue our opponent preview series. And the one thing I enjoy is we really get to peel back the layers of all of these teams. And as we do on each of these programs, Paul and I will give you a little bit of our perspective on the Bears. And NFL.com had an interesting article with question marks for 10 teams entering training camp and both the Bears and the Giants are on the list so it just goes to show you there's more similarities and let's actually pick up where this article starts because I think it's fair to say and Mark highlighted it Paul mm -hmm. one of the biggest question marks for Chicago is I think even more so what you're going to get out of Justin Fields is will the playmakers around him at wide receiver be consistent enough as I was talking with Mark about I like Darnell Mooney and he had a nice game or two against the Giants in recent history. It's just, can you get that complimentary piece? And maybe it's Cole Komet who you brought up at the tight end position. Remember, it doesn't have to be a wide receiver. You're number two guy in a lot of offenses. Heck, Paul, look at the Raiders. Darren Waller, you can make an argument, before Devontae Adams showed up, was really their number one guy. So Cole Komet could be the breakout player that supports Darnell Mooney. But I really think... Luke Getze needs to locate that player, and that player needs to thrive to make it a little bit easier for Justin Fields to transition to the every-game starter this year. You know, Lance, it's interesting you bring that point up because you guys have heard me say on this program a billion times, your guys have to make plays for your quarterback. The quarterback gets rid of the ball, and once it's out of his hands, it's up to the rest of his team to go finish the other end of the play. And I think the Bears have a huge amount of question marks at wide receiver. I mean, Vellis Jones gets drafted this year as a guy who spent six years in college football, of course, taking advantage of the COVID season as well, you know, to become a super senior. Plus, he had a redshirt year when he was at USC. But he comes out of Tennessee now as a guy who is very mature, having spent six years in the college game. I don't consider him as fresh and young and as green as a usual NFL rookie would because he's been around a big-time power program for extra years. So I would have to think if any of these veterans 
do not step up right out of training camp or the preseason and prove their worth. Vellis Jones is going to get a chance to show himself and maybe inject himself into a bigger role in this offense than maybe people think right now. Now, when he was in school, he was more of a medium-range receiver. He's not a deep threat by any stretch of the imagination. But when you're talking about a quarterback, Fields, who is young, inexperienced, may not have the greatest protection, well, he's got to get rid of the ball quick, right? Yep. Well, it's those medium-range receivers who could turn out to be his best friends. That's why a Vellis Jones and a Cole Clement could very easily turn out to be very important to the Bears. I think that's an excellent point, and they don't need him to be the home run hitter because, once again, if there's still some question marks and buying time with protection, then settle for the 10-yard pass and let him do a little bit more after the catch. That's why I even look at Darnell Mooney and Byron Pringle, who they brought over from the Chiefs. Those are also two guys where it's not necessarily the home run every single play. You get, Paul, those two guys out in open space, they could do a lot of damage for Justin Fields. So that could very well be a theme in the early goings for Luke Getze and this offense. And then as the season progresses, like anything else, he gets more comfortable with the scheme. The offensive line improves. Then you start maybe airing it out a little bit more. But with those three wide receivers we mentioned, with David Montgomery, who was still very productive last season, despite a lot of issues on the offensive side of the ball, Chicago has some weaponry around him. It's just a matter of, can they be an offense maybe in the first quarter of the season, and this relates to when they play the Giants, where they can get by without major big explosive plays down the field. Similar to, Paul, when the Chiefs played the Giants last year. And I'm not Mm -hmm. comparing the personnel, but that was when Kansas City was in adjustment mode. It was, okay, two deep safeties. We can't go for 50-yard throws. We'll just dink and dunk a little bit. And they adjusted, and it became effective. I could see Chicago subscribing to a very different philosophy, or similar philosophy, I should say, in the early goings of this season. And then maybe if the Giants were to play the Bears in Week 12, Week 13, I would say maybe the offense looks a little bit different. First quarter of the season, though, I think it can resemble a little bit of what Kansas City was eyeing in the early stages of last year. Yeah, I would agree with that. And so you look at the two teams that are offensively challenged over the last couple of years. Uh, I think right now, I would say just going in, Giants have more explosive weaponry on their roster than the Bears do. But of course, and with more all the veterans injuries, too. Proven well, yeah, but yeah. with all the injuries the Giants have had, you just don't know what you're going to get. Of course. I will say this there's probably a wild card here that most people are overlooking. You mentioned the name early during the interview. And I'm only going to bring him up because we saw him here with the Giants for, for a season and a, and a quarter, and that's Pettis. Dante Pettis, I'll tell you something, Lance. I know we really didn't get much of a chance here with the Giants last season, but he's got speed. And, you know, the few times they did throw him the ball, he made some nice catches. Uh, It wouldn't shock me. And, again, it says a lot about the receiving core if Dante Pettis is able to rise from the ashes and steal an important part on their depth chart. But it wouldn't shock me if that's what happens and Pettis actually does resuscitate his career after starting out with San Francisco and then having a pit stop with the Giants and actually does something for Chicago this year. Well, 
it's a great opportunity for him, as you mentioned, right? I would love this spot if I'm Dante Pettis. You don't have an overwhelming amount of proven talent in front of you. If he stays healthy, remember, he could also contribute on special teams. Yes. So he has absolutely a shot. And remember, Pettis was the guy that threw the pass to Daniel Jones last season, right? So maybe <laughs> yes. he'll even throw some competition yes. at Justin Fields when it's all said and done, Paul. You never know. Yeah. I'd be yeah. a little bit concerned if I'm Justin Fields, okay? Oh. He doesn't necessarily look at just one wide receiver on the field. He's an equal opportunist, Dante Pettis. He can hit running backs. He can hit quarterbacks. You never know who will target under the circumstances. (laughs) That's a a very, very good point. I was also intrigued by the other thing that Mark talked about in terms of Robert Quinn. Look, he was basically given up for, for, for dad. I mean, when he got to the Bears, you know, he had had that one year of resuscitation with Dallas, and then he goes to Chicago and does nothing. And then what happens last year? He just rises from the ashes and just starts kicking people's butts all over the field. I mean, the resurgence of his career twice now, the way he resuscitated it with the Cowboys and now has resuscitated it with the Bears, I don't know. How many times can lightning strike? Can he be a double-digit sack guy again? Mark seemed to think, like, physically he's got the tools and he's quick enough still to do it. I don't know. I, I, I'll be honest with you. That, to me, that's that's rolling the dice. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Well, he's done it twice in the last three seasons. But prior to that... You had to go back to 2012 and 2014. So it's the second time. Actually, no, I stand corrected. He did it three years in a row, 12, 13, 14, because he had 19 sacks right. in 2013. He went so, to like three or four Pro Bowls, didn't he, with the Rams? I believe so, yeah. I mean, he was certainly a key component of that Rams defense in the early 2010s. But then after that, things dropped off a little bit. Also, he dealt with injuries, 15 and 16. He barely played half a season. So you have to take that into consideration. I will say this. If you're Matt Eberflus, and we were talking about this with Mark, knowing what a guy like DeForest Buckner did for your defense, I would love to have Robert Quinn, if he could give me the territory, Paul, okay, of 9 to 10 sacks, okay? And that's a drop-off from last season. But if I could get half of that production, Mm -hmm. I would say, okay, at least that's a guy that's going to draw some attention and maybe open up some favorable opportunities on the opposite side of the field. Because as we were talking with Mark about it, and this is why I started the defensive conversation with this element, it wasn't so much that the Colts had tons of star players. I don't want to make that narrative because they didn't necessarily have unbelievable guys at every level, but the scheme was calling for guys to be in position to make plays. So if Quinn is your staple, if you could get him to be productive, then some of these young guys on the back end of the secondary, remember they drafted Kyler Gordon, Jalen Johnson I think has been a nice guy that's flashed a little. Those guys are capable of making plays, but I think a lot of it is the scheme and the guys up front allowing them to make those plays as opposed to you just putting them out on an island and thinking you're going to get seven or eight interceptions out of one of them. See, the Bears' defense has the problem that we talked about in previous years with the Giants where you need a Batman and a Robin. And if you can even get like a third guy like an Alfred the Butler to help you out, now you've got a real pass rush. Well, if Quinn isn't Batman this year because he's got to be, 
Travis Gibson, you know, was Robin for them last season. Of course, Khalil Mackle only played seven games. Yeah. So, so really, it's Quinn and it's Gibson. Uh, that's too much, in my opinion, to ask Gibson to raise his game to a level that's going to be good enough. You know, it's kind of like what, what, what the Giants had last year. They had Leonard Williams and they had Aziz Ojolari. Well, you know, those are like having two Robins. If, if Quinn isn't Batman this year, if he's just a Robin, then they've only got two Robins. That's not enough. That, that won't get you to the next step of development as a defense, which is why the Giants had to go get uh, Thibodeau. Because now it's Thibodeau and Ojolari and Williams. So now you think you've got a Batman plus a, a, a two Robins to go with him. All of a sudden now that changes the entire dynamic of your front. Well, and that's why I keep going back to DeForest Buckner. He had his Batman last year, Paul. Right. Right. He knew going into every game, I've got my superhero. And I would say, even though Darius Leonard wasn't a guy that would line up on the line because he's more of a roaming linebacker, but Leonard is a Robin because of all the disruptive plays that he makes. So he's you really had, good. Right. You had Batman, you had Robin. And I mean, I know this doesn't relate to what he's going to be working with this season, but they just added Yannick Ngakwe who, remember, we were debating a few off-seasons ago, remember, about whether mm -hmm. or not the Giants should go after him, and we were saying, you know, maybe he's more of a Robin than necessarily a Batman. The bottom line is they don't need to debate whether he's Batman or Robin because with Buckner, Leonard, and now adding Ngakwe, now you really feel great about all the playmakers you have up front. The bottom line is the dynamics have changed for Matt Eberflus and what he's walking into in Chicago, and it's no different. Let's bring this back to the Giants with... Wink Martindale. We can look at everything he did in Baltimore. We can look at his track record, and we could talk about how guys spread the wealth with sacks. He was a high blitz guy. But when you take a coordinator, Paul, out of an environment that he's been with in a few years, and he's used to those playmakers, and you put him elsewhere, and he doesn't necessarily have the same proven talent. It's not to say that he can't thrive, but you have to understand, guys need to elevate to get to the point of security of what he was provided with in Baltimore for him to, I think, start feeling good and comfortable about what he could do on a daily basis or a week-to-week -week basis. And that, I think, is very similar to what Chicago is looking with as Matt Eberflus makes the transition. Uh, you know... It's one of the reasons why, Lance, for years I've talked about how poor the quality of September football is because not only are your players feeling each other out on the field and trying to scrape off their rust because, let's face it, they don't play enough during the preseason and training camp is now flag football, but in, in a lot of cases, the rebuilding teams okay, have new coaches, new coordinators, maybe even new GMs. In the Giants' case, knew everything. And these guys are not just trying to shake off the, the physicality of the rust on the field, but they're also trying to get the coaching staff and the coordinators to believe in them and to trust in them so that they can call the plays that are in chapters 4, 5, 6, and 7 in their playbooks. There are an awful lot of reasons why September football has become what it is. And the feeling out process that you've alluded to is clearly one of those factors, which is why I've always felt that if you're a veteran team and a contending team, you already know that you're in the middle of that window, so to speak. Yeah, go ahead. 
Rest your starters for a lot of the preseason. Don't play them a whole lot of snaps. If you're worried about the injury factor, you know what you've got. You trust your guys. They trust you. They know the playbook. We know the caliber of player that you're putting on the field. But when you're a team that's trying to climb out of the ashes, you've got to be able to, during this rebuilding process, play your starters more. It is the only way, not only to get them into rhythm, but to get your coordinators and your coaching staff as an entirety on the same page with that level of trust, with that level of confidence, and with the ability to try to maximize your production. And that needs to happen ASAP. The only way to get it in September is if you play those guys more in August. Lance Meadow, Paul Dottino with you here on Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. few reminders here. Giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2022 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just $100. Call 888-NYG-1925, or you can visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. Also... Don't miss your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giants games and world-class concerts in 2022 as a Giants suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available, or you can place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925. For this one, visit Giants.com suites for more information. Now, we had been bringing up an NFL.com article that had question marks with respect to 10 teams that either have a position they still need to address or something else to that degree. And the Bears were number 10 on this list. The exact title of the article is 2022 NFL season, 10 biggest remaining roster holes heading into training camp. So Chicago's question number 10 was the wide receivers outside of Darnell Mooney, which we certainly highlighted. Now the Giants are also on this list. They come in at number eight. And what they highlight for the Giants is the release of corner James Bradbury. And I want to read you exactly what the little write-up is here. It's a short paragraph. Quote, the release of corner James Bradbury after no trade materialized leaves Big Blue incredibly young on the outside. Adore Jackson is the only vet with vast starting experience. Currently, the Giants are counting on Aaron Robinson, Darnay Holmes, Radarius Williams, all of them between year two and year three in the league, and rookie third-rounder Cordell Flott in their corner group. Don Martindale's defense relies heavily on being able to match up on the outside. Adding a vet to the crew at either corner or a safety on the cheap would go a long way to solidifying a young group. So that is the write-up they have for the Giants, and I don't think this is a stretch. Listen, we've been talking about this. We've been emphasizing this, Paul, on this program. When we look at the question marks heading into training camp, there's no doubt about it. When you part ways with James Bradbury and you know what Don Martindale wants from his outside corners, and it's a youth movement outside of a Dory Jackson, there's no doubt about it. I think you ask most people internally who cover the Giants, externally around the league, if they were to say, what is the biggest question mark personnel-wise on the defensive side of the ball? I think the majority of them, without any hesitation, would point to who's going to be the outside corner opposite of Dory, and is he going to play consistent enough? Sure. And I think, you know, what, what I've tried to explain to people is that, yeah, the Giants have some young, unknown, unproven guys there. But at least they've got some numbers uh, of draft choices, guys who they've picked, who they've put some research in, who they've put some... some uh, confidence in 
And I think it's better to have question marks there than to have a big goose egg zero and say, you know what, we know the guys that we have can't play, and we don't know where we're going to get them. At least they've got young, developing guys who appear to have solid skill sets and simply just have to get the chance to try to learn and put it together on the field. So I'm a lot more optimistic. It's a legit question, and I believe that everybody should have that question. But I'm a lot more optimistic than than a lot of other people are who still want to go, hey, you know, I've got big doubts. I'm in wait-and-see mode, but I am optimistic and I am hopeful. I do think it's interesting. He did not mention a Belton at safety, you know, when he talks about, you know, maybe adding a veteran corner or a veteran safety. They did draft Belton, yep, and they have high hopes for him coming right out of the box as, as a rookie. Um, you know how I've already talked about you know, potentially grabbing a Desmond Trufant as a, a good veteran uh, in the corner spot. I don't necessarily have an answer for somebody I'd like to see at safety, to be frank with you. I've looked at the guys on the street, and, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't see anybody there who really tickles my fancy who, who I'd like to bring in. But, but I still think that Trufant's a name worth watching as we get into August. Well, and here's the other thing with respect to safety. I get his point. Could they add a veteran? Could they have some use for a guy? No doubt about it. But I think you feel as if between Julian Love and Xavier McKinney, you've got a little bit more experience. Love has versatility. McKinney had a solid year last season after he didn't play much as a rookie. So I just think the level of security and maybe optimism is a bit different with your starting safeties, Paul, as opposed to your starting corners. And as you mentioned, you drafted Dane Belton, who is right now coming in a backup, but somebody also that has some versatility. So I would rather, I guess my point is, I'd rather go into the season saying, hey, let's see what Love and McKinney could do. Let's utilize Belton, tap into his skill set. And if we need to maybe add a veteran later on or somebody that has familiarity with Baltimore, so be it. With corner, it's a little different where you know what you have in Adoree Jackson. Okay, Darnay Holmes has been in the league. Radarius Williams, though, got hurt last year. Cordell Flott's a rookie. Aaron Robinson didn't play much last season. I just think there's a lot more question marks at corner with rolling the dice there as opposed to doing a very similar thing at the safety position. I agree, but I I would also say on top of that, if you are looking, the list of guys on the street at corner is a heck of a lot better than the list of guys on the street at safety. Now, the problem is, a lot of those corners who are still floating around out there, uh, they're going to ask for a whole lot more money. <laughs> There's a lot more expense involved if you're going to pick up one of those veteran corners, whether it's a, a Rhodes or a King or a Waynes or, or a Hayden. Well, Waynes, you know, I can tell you right now, he's pretty much done. He announced recently that he's through with football. I'd be yeah, very surprised I, if he comes back. I don't know if he officially retired, but he did recently say publicly that he's not in the mindset of playing football. So I'd be surprised if he latches on. Just in case you want to update your list. That's the only reason I'm throwing that out there. I say you never know on these guys until training camp starts because they could get the itch. So you never know. But the point is, the kinds of guys you're talking about, you're not going to be able to afford. So you have to go go down a little bit into that list to some of the more economical guys potentials uh you know potential answers if you'd like and that's why you know i i'm to me if i were to go after a veteran in the, in the secondary i think there were some economical options 
there. I mean, he, look, I know Jason McCourty's really old. I get it. But he's a local guy here from Rockland County, played at St. Joe's Regional High School. Last year was with the Dolphins. And I know he's up there now. He's got to be in his mid-30s by oh, this yeah, point. Absolutely. I'm sure of it, right? Him and his brother have played in this league both for a Devin long McCourty. time. But he's always wanted to play for the Giants. And he's a local guy. And he's economically very, very friendly. Now, I don't know how much he's got left. Probably not very much, especially if the Dolphins are letting him walk because I don't think he was going to be a salary cap issue for them. I don't think he made a whole lot of money with the Dolphins last year. So, But that's the kind of guy, if you're looking to bring somebody in, remember when they, they brought in Leon Hall back in 2016? Yeah, the Bengals. Yep. You know, he was a guy who had played a bit, uh, then he had gotten hurt, and he was kind of left by the wayside. And the Giants so like, oh, you know what? We think we could use this kind of guy. And Leon Hall gave them some snaps for a while there until he eventually broke down. And then, uh, you know, that was the end of that. He just but, didn't play special teams. That's what hurt him. He was a healthy no scratch down the stretch. Absolutely. Yeah. Without a doubt. So, um, be that as it may, I, I do think there might still be a radar out for a veteran corner, although potentially, let's just say if you're the Giants now, you really like these young guys that we talked about earlier, like I'm very optimistic about them. And maybe the Giants are saying to themselves, all right, let's get to training camp. Let's go through a couple of weeks. Let's even go to a game or so uh, in the preseason before we go and take a veteran because the minute we sign that veteran, yeah, he's going to help the room, but he's also going to take some snaps away from these kids. And maybe yep. the Giants feel like every snap these kids can get is another opportunity to get better and to prove to us that they're part of the answer. And you know where I feel with respect to that. I'd rather give these young guys as many snaps as possible. Because sure. I think you're also trying to build continuity within a new defensive scheme. And why should a veteran come in? I think there's value in adding a veteran. I wouldn't be against that. But I'd like to exhaust all options with the young guys before I go down that road. Now, to just follow up on a few of your points, McCourty is going to be 35 in August, just to give you an idea. I'm sure. I'm not surprised. Two other guys that I'll throw out in terms of veteran experience is Chris Harris Jr., who's been with the Broncos and the Chargers. Mm -hmm. He's 33. He's a guy that's been in a variety of schemes. And A.J. Boye is another guy who is a little bit younger, was last with Carolina. He was most notably with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So these Probably on the expensive side, though, don't you think, It's possible. Both of them, I could argue. But here's the thing. They're still out on the market. Yeah. Paul? So, you know, now, there's a variety of reasons. Some guys, remember, it's not because they're not healthy. It's because they just say to themselves, I'm going to show up at training camp. When I know the work is really going to begin, I'm going to do my own thing. Why do I need to come to voluntary OTAs, especially this late in my career? So I don't want to make assumptions that these guys are done, they're exhausted, they're not healthy. Which, by the way, may also be Robert Quinn's MO with the Bears. 100%. That's also a very real possibility. Can you blame him under the circumstances? (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. No, I think that's all valid points. And that's why maybe some of these guys, it's not that, you know, they're looking for big bucks. It's just a matter of they just don't think there's a lot of value being in camp 
at this point, meaning the spring portion of camp, and they'd rather wait to see whether or not something comes to fruition in August. You could also see, you, know, you brought up Leon Hall. Leon Hall was a very late addition if you go back he to was. the 2016 season. So, you know, maybe, and, and I think that's the wise game plan. Maybe the Giants say, We'll see how the first two weeks of training camp go. We'll even wait to see what the first preseason game gives us so we can see these guys actually in game action against teammates that are not familiar with them, you know, opposing players. Mm -hmm. Maybe they go that realm, and then they say, hey, you know what? We're still iffy about this guy. He hasn't shown us what we're expecting. Let's bring in a veteran who we think can learn the playbook relatively quickly, and we'll go from there. I would not be surprised if that's the game plan. And also, at that point, here's the other thing. From an economic situation, Paul, you get into the second or third week of training camp. If one of these guys is still out there, are they really going to have money as leverage at that point, right? I mean, you would think if they right. want to play football, Paul, I, mm -hmm. I understand I'm making a generalization, but if we're three weeks into training camp and you're A.J. Boye or you're Chris Harris Jr. and you really have the itch to continue your career, I don't really think you have much leverage when it comes to money. I think you're looking for an opportunity. So right. maybe a guy does take a veteran minimum deal and takes his chances and says, hey, maybe I get a few snaps over yeah. the course of the rotation of cornerbacks, and maybe I have a legitimate shot to actually make the 53-man roster. To rewind about 45 seconds, when you talked about maybe you know giving some of these young guys at least a game or two in the preseason, how do you think Rodarius Williams felt after last summer and then into the preseason because guys were banged up, he was getting a ton of reps in those games. Yeah. And he flashed really, really well. And, you know, only wound up playing 50 snaps before he got hurt against the Cowboys the first month in, and then his season was over. But it's because of what he was able to gain experience-wise during the preseason that right now, and I've talked to him, in fact, I did that huddle interview a couple of months ago, it's because of all the reps he got during last season's preseason that he really can't wait to get back out on the field because he believes that he proved to himself with those flashes that he can be a real player in the National Football League. So there's a great example of how those snaps can work and can help you answer some questions internally. And speaking of training camp coming up, the Giants announced late last week that they will return with open practices this summer. 11 practices are going to be free and open to the public. You can check out all the dates and the times on Giants.com. It'll be at the Quest Diagnostics Training Center. And the first open practice session is going to take place on Wednesday, July 27th at 10 a.m. Eastern. And that is exactly a month away from today's program. So how perfect that it comes full circle here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. As that is going to wrap up today's program, we will continue our opponent preview series on Tuesday as we will turn our attention to another opponent from the NFC North, the Green Bay Packers, as that will be the matchup in London coming up later on this season. A reminder that Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com and the mobile app is part of the Giants platforms everywhere and Giants.com slash podcasts. For Paul Dottino, I'm Lance Meadows. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest, and we will speak to you on Tuesday right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Have a good one. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, 
be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.